I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the news du jour, a calmer space to consume the news. I hope everyone had a better day yesterday than I did. I'm so tired coming to you guys right now. Um, My son just decided not to nap today, and uh, I'm exhausted to say the least. Anywho, we don't have any mini stories today, so... We're on a two-day streak here with no mini stories, but that said, I do have some longer stories for us to go over, so I'm going to jump right into the news here at the top so we can cover everything. I did want to issue a content warning here at the top. This story involves a potential murder. So I wanted to go over the case of Anna Walsh. So many of you may have heard something about a mom in Massachusetts who went missing and a man in Massachusetts named Brian Walsh who's been accused of murdering his wife. Well, it's okay if you haven't heard of this, but even if you have, I'm guessing you haven't had time to look into all of the details. So let's jump into it. So we'll go ahead and start with the basics. Anna Walsh was married to Brian Walsh. They had three kids together. It was three little boys who are pretty young. And Anna worked at a real estate investing firm in downtown D.C. And one day, she just didn't show up for work. Her office reported her missing because they couldn't get in touch with her. And she was an executive there. So they knew her pretty well and said that she was usually incredibly responsive. Police then spoke to her husband, who said that she had taken an Uber or a Lyft to the airport on New Year's Day for a work emergency. She was last seen at her home, though, and her cell phone only had pings in the area of her home on January 1st and January 2nd. Investigators then searched the home where they found blood and a bloody knife in the basement. Her husband was caught on camera buying almost $500 worth of cleaning supplies from Home Depot on January 2nd. You know, things like bleach and a tarp and all of those things that are going to make your skin crawl if you're the person checking that person out. After he had told them, though, that he'd only gone to get ice cream that day for his son and hadn't left the house otherwise... They knew he was lying because they had seen him on that Home Depot footage. So investigators realized that he'd been giving them the runaround. They arrested him on charges related to lying to and misleading police. Since then, police have been able to collect further evidence and were able to charge Brian with the murder of his wife. From what I have heard, his bail was set at a million dollars but has not been paid. He's still in jail. Um, Brian has a criminal past of his own where he has pled guilty to selling fake 
Andy Warhol paintings to a California art dealer to the tune of like $80,000. He sold these on eBay too, of all places. Um, He even tried to smuggle artifacts out of China once reportedly as well, but was caught doing that too. His mother has been in poor health, who he is the caretaker for. And there's a lot being said about his upbringing, just that he has trauma from his upbringing, but he was pretty well off and his family still is well off. So all of this is probably going to play a role in how things play out because there's got to be some reason his mom isn't posting his bail, even though it seems they have money. His Google searches in the relevant days showed that he Googled things like, quote, how to dismember a body, end quote, and, quote, how to dispose of a 115-pound woman's body, end quote. Yes, he was that stupid. Based off his searches, police tracked down trash that he had left at his mother's home or thrown out at his mother's home, and they they found in that trash a hatchet bloody clothing and human flesh that they sent off for DNA testing. So there will be a lot more coming out in this case, but the evidence that they've compiled so far seems pretty damning. I think there's a number of reasons why this is so huge in the media right now. Number one, it involves a pretty white woman that's going to, you know, capture the media's attention and America's attention. But secondly, the evidence has kind of been dripped out. So I'm giving it to you guys all in one lump sum. And you're kind of like, okay, so, you know, we know everything. It seems like he did it. Why is this so exciting? But the thing is, all of these pieces kind of came out one by one. So that's why I think there's been such a fixation on this case. But that is the backstory. And we'll definitely let you guys know what happens to Brian and how things play out. Stay tuned. Next up for today, a vaccine for honeybees. So you may have heard, but the bees are in trouble, you guys. And that means trouble for us all. You see, without bees as pollinators, crops are pretty much fucked. Honeybees pollinate about one third of the food crops in the United States. And that means if we don't have them, we don't have that food. So the bees are more important than they might seem. They're a vital part of our ecosystem. And now they are facing something called foulbrood, which according to beaware.com is a, quote, bacterial disease of honeybee broods end quote. And basically, it sounds like it makes the larvae turn brown and essentially start to rot. So this foul brood is extremely harmful to the honeybee population here in the United States and can wipe out colonies of like 60,000 honeybees at a time. So people were having to burn whole hives that were infected with this bacteria, and it's just been pretty devastating on the honeybee population. And thus, a biotech company called Dallin Animal Health created the first ever honeybee vaccine, and it was just approved by the U.S. Department of Agriculture for use. You see, scientists realize that if you vaccinate the queen, then all of her offspring, which is 
everyone in the hive, remember, if you didn't know that about bees, they all come from the queen. All of her offspring will then have that immunity too. So they can pretty easily vaccinate whole colonies by just using the queen. Vaccinating these honeybees against fowl brood is obviously just one step in protecting them. You know, they're at risk for a variety of reasons, but it's a step in the right direction. As with everything in nature, we are all interconnected and rely on one another for survival. So this is great news for the honeybees and great news for us and our crops. And next up for today, tech layoffs continue. Microsoft and Amazon commence layoffs. So we've seen it at every major tech company from Meta to Grubhub to Twitter and now Microsoft. 10,000 jobs will be eliminated as the company restructures to make room and account for losses. While the cuts account for less than 5% of the overall company, that is still a ton of human beings being impacted, 10,000 of them thrown back into the pool of unemployed Americans vying for new positions. Microsoft has been through major layoffs in the past, though. Back in 2014 and 2015, they had to lay off about 25,000 because they acquired the company Nokia, and let's just say their gamble didn't pay off. During the pandemic, though, tech really boomed and a lot of hiring happened across the board, actually. The growth then slowed, though, after the pandemic, a bubble kind of burst, and that sent the tide back out, leaving a lot of people jobless. This October, Microsoft reported its slowest growth in five years, according to the New York Times. Amazon is also going through a similar process now as well. They too have announced massive layoffs of over 18,000 corporate and tech-related jobs. Their growth rate has slowed to its lowest in two decades, so its slowdown has been even more intense than Microsoft's. Now, some might say that this is a typical cycle for tech, you know, booms and busts, so to speak. But if that's the case, it still doesn't make it any easier for those who are now out of a job. And especially with many of these companies moving towards AI technology, but real life threats here in reality loom large like climate change and a war, the future feels a little fraught and definitely unfamiliar. We'll keep you guys posted on all of these tech ups and downs. And lastly for today, somewhat tech related still, Elon Musk is going to trial. So before we go for the day, I had to let you guys know that a handful of investors are taking Elon Musk to trial over his tweets. You see, back in 2018, Elon Musk was already Elon Musking and tweeting erratically about important things. He posted that he was, quote, considering taking Tesla private at $420, funding secured, end quote. The 420 was obviously sort of a shorthand, but some people believed him. 
a lot of people and stock prices went up. But they went back down again once it was clear that the deal wasn't actually happening. So these guys owned stock and they blamed Elon's reckless tweets on why they had lost so much money. Musk's lawyers are, meanwhile, trying to argue that the tweet was not reckless, that, you know, he really had this funding secured. Even though he afterward agreed to the SEC that he would have lawyers look over and approve his tweets before sending them out, Sounds like he was admitting it was reckless to me, but anyway, not only that, but he just doesn't even do that. You know, just think about him taking a poll on whether or not he should stay the CEO of Twitter. The man certainly does not think before he posts, let alone get a lawyer to check it and sign off. And now Musk is trying to walk back some of those agreements he's made with the SEC, arguing that they what? Oh, yeah. Intrude on his First Amendment rights. Yep. It is always all about the First Amendment to Elon Musk. But what he doesn't seem to understand is that while you can say anything, you do not necessarily have the right to run a business or hold positions of power in that business if you say certain things. But I digress. Back to the court case at hand, what Musk needs to do is prove that he did indeed have the funding secured and that he was indeed considering taking Tesla private. But if he didn't have that funding secured, he doesn't have much of a defense. That said, the investors have much more of an uphill battle here because they're going to have to prove that that tweet directly caused the drop in stock pricing and caused them to lose money and that the tweet itself was a false statement. So that is a lot to have to prove in a concrete way. For the time being, though, their biggest hurdle will be picking a jury because Musk's lawyers are all asserting that people are biased against Musk due to their personal distaste for him. They're questioning whether people can remain neutral on a jury. And let's face it, Musk is a pretty unlikable character, but that is a public persona that he has built for himself deliberately and over a long period of time. So his legal team's inability to find unbiased jurors, well, it's kind of his chickens coming home to roost. And that is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, don't be discouraged. It's often the last key in the bunch that unlocks the door. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review or shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us be able to keep creating the news du jour. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugarfreemedia. You can also follow us on social media under sugarfreemedia.co on Instagram and just sugarfreemedia, all one word on TikTok. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Oh. Oh.